Happy New Year, everyone. It's Britt, the petite polymath, with a special episode for the show Bridgerton. Stay tuned. So, everyone, Happy New Year, and what a time to be alive. Apparently, Georgia has flipped the Senate, and that's exciting. Uh, and we are waiting to see what happens with the Electoral College and Pence doing his job while being, um, you know, uh, watched uh, ardently by uh, the person in the White House. So, um, yeah, we are in very interesting times. In the midst of interesting times, it is always wonderful to be able to take a little break from reality. And Shonda Rhimes has given us that opportunity with a series called Bridgerton on Netflix that came out on Christmas evening, I believe. So, um, I've only done a podcast episode about TV one time before, and that was the reboot or remake of High Fidelity with Zoe Kravitz uh, back in the spring. I think it was the spring. I don't think it was this year. It might have been 2019. This year, 2020 was such a blur and had so many things that did not really stand out that 2019 to 2020 to now are a little bit convoluted for me. So bear with me. Um, but Bridgerton. So based on a series of romance novels by Julia Quinn, I think is the name. And I think these books came out maybe in the late 80s, early 90s, the series. I think there are multiple books. I have not read them because romance novels are not my shtick. Um, Shonda Rhimes, many people know her name because of her ABC relationship in the past. Grey's Anatomy, um, private practice, scandal, how to get away with murder, another one for the people, I think was the most recent iteration of a show that she did, which has a familiar face that crosses over into Bridgerton. She is the executive producer of this um, series after her departure from ABC, which lesson learned, do not insult amazingly talented black women who know their worth. I'd venture to say women in general who know their worth because they will leave you high and dry and you will kick yourself. And that's what happened with ABC. That's why Shonda went to Netflix. So um, there are eight episodes. It is um, a period piece in Regency London in the early 1800s where you have a family, a wealthy family, um, that is helmed by Lady Bridgerton, a widow, with, I believe, six children. Her oldest son stepping in as Viscount in the absence of her, of her beloved husband who died, as he, he helps his sisters navigate coming of age and coming out in society. Um, at the same time, we have a friend of his from university, um, the um, Duke um, Hastings, uh, who is a troubled soul, and I don't want to give too much of a spoiler, but I'm going to end up spoiling, so I'm just going to warn you, if, you've, if you plan on watching it, then maybe stop listening, um, who has an interesting relationship with the oldest daughter um, that you will see unfold through the series, but every character is really important. There's another family um, that has a, um, three daughters that are looking to get their daughters married, um, then you have Queen Charlotte, who is bored uh, and trying to, like, you know, matchmake to keep herself occupied. Um, and then there is this gossip rag <laughs> that is uh, being written by a woman named Lady Whistledown. We don't know her identity, which is very familiar to those of us who watched Gossip Girl. 
People have described this show as a mashup between Downton Abbey and Gossip Girl, which I think is pretty apt. Pretty apt. Um, I will say um, for people who keep an eye on, um, you know, kind of uh, gratuitous things in TV, there's quite a bit of skin. So be prepared to fast forward or like into it when there might be some some love scenes that'll be too much for you because uh, there are some. It's not throughout the whole series, but there there are some. And a couple of choice words here or there. Uh, I just started watching the Netflix series on the history of profanity, which I really enjoyed, despite Nicolas Cage being the lead, um, the lead of it. And I mean, these words are old, so they're there. Um, I enjoyed the series altogether. It was beautiful. I had a few opinions initially. Uh, for example, um, they take modern music and they turn it into string arrangements and play it at the balls, um, which, you know, can go one of two ways. I, I had a bit of like a, woo, when I heard Ariana Grande, you know, with cello and violin. But then a friend reminded me that Baz Luhrmann did this in Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, well, that's true. Granted, Desiree's Kissing You is phenomenal. And Ariana Grande's Thank You Next is nice, but maybe not like the thing I would normally listen to. So maybe that's also why I had that kind of, what is this? This is not the world I expected. Um, so that was, that was a neat little bit of, um, of moder- modernity uh, in the series. Um, I also really uh, thought that there, there was a very honest uh, presentation of what it meant to be a woman in times past. And may I just say, you know, we are a little shy of 200 years from this era. I cannot think of another time in history I'd want to be a woman. Um, It's amazing how far we have come, even though there still is a lot of baggage with being single um, as a woman. But the ability to be able to take care of oneself and not have to be born into wealth, don't have to depend on a man, whether it's your brother or your father, or finding a suitable husband, the pressure to have children, um, the flimsiness of one's reputation. Uh, we have made some strides that I'm very glad have, have happened uh, for, for our gender because, man, it really, it really is a thankless job to be a woman and perpetuate the species. Um, some things that stood out to me before I get into something that I'm going to stay at for a while, was the idea that sex, like nobody seemed, women did not know how it worked. And I find it so fascinating that women would perpetuate their daughters living in ignorance. Um, When we already live, do live and have lived in a patriarchal society where men had power, they already had power, they already didn't Um, suffer consequences for really shoddy behavior that they were able to escape from and that left a woman vulnerable uh, to all manner of you know of poverty and death and illness and then of course just like social destruction Um, you know they got a slap on the wrist where women were ruined for good and the only thing that saved you from being ruined potentially was having money you know your family having money because if you didn't have that God bless you if you were beautiful, because you were just like ripe for the picking. Um, And if you did have money, still, you could end up in some loveless, cold, 
potentially abusive, neglectful marriage just for security and, uh, and just to save face. And how, how mothers would let their daughters pretty much be led to the slaughter, having no idea of, you know, beyond their periods, how babies were made, um, what their own bodies did, and how to be prepared to, to um, refuse advances from men and not be caught up in, in you know, the, the poetic view of lovemaking, which is men saying grandiose things they don't mean to get you into bed. Or, you know, letting men be um, too casual with you and then um, them taking advantage of that, right? Uh, and, you know, this was a time where I don't think rape was really a crime. Um, I think unless a, a lady, quote-unquote, virtue was, was in jeopardy. Um, but, you know, the punishment for that crime was at the, you know, at the, at the worst, right? Maybe a man had to marry the person that he, that he raped, which... That seems more of a punishment for the woman than the man, to be honest. Um, and this idea of being ruined, which I just, ooh, makes me sick to my stomach. You know, I grew up in evangelical Christianity, which has a huge purity culture. And that was what I grew up in as an adolescent and a young woman. And now here I am, you know, closer to 40. But I recoil at that culture even with my understanding of the of to me what i you know believe to be the gravity of of sexual um, relationships with people that that language is very disturbing to me um because there's like this weird um uh, what's the term there's just a value placement to it that i feel degrades women more than men and that is something that i I'm totally against in every way. Uh, and the way that, you know, it was just expected for young men to quote unquote sow their wild oats, which when you really think about it, the reason why this was done was to make men become callous to their sexuality uh, to the point where it was just some physical act that was for, you know, either procreation or, um, or for release but without consideration of their own hearts and their own feelings so that then they could make these very, you know, almost clinical decisions about who to end up with. Um, because I'm sure lots of those young men got caught by falling for someone who wasn't an appropriate match, which we see at Bridgerton. Um, but if they're quote unquote, sowing their wild oats and going from person to person in brothel, it's a lot easier to convince a young man that's the way things are so that then they don't really have to lead with their heart intertwine with their body. Uh, and I think for women, it was just a way to control women, honestly, because if women knew how these things worked, they could be more um, advanced in how to protect themselves. And, you know, people are trying to keep knowledge away from you. You should always be suspicious because that means that that knowledge has power. So that's my spiel on sexuality in the Regency era um, and, you know, the the frailty of, of reputation, which I eye roll about, you know. Um, still today, something happens to a woman. The first thing people want to ask is, well, why was she there? What was she doing? She shouldn't have been there. She wore that thing. And it's, it's, it, 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 clearly it's very deep seated in us to, to put blame on women, um, for violences that are uh, enacted towards them. So the other big thing that I, that I took away from this series that I actually am critical about while also appreciative is the ethnic landscape of Bridgerton. It is diverse. There are Southeast Asians, there are black people, 
there are white people uh, and in all roles, in the domestic workers, um, as the people working on their own and successful, and as the landed gentry and as royalty. So we know historically that King George III's wife, Queen Charlotte, was, um, was black. She uh, was of probably, um, on one side of the family, Portuguese slash um, Moorish or North African descent and was probably a very like olive-toned woman um, who could have passed for white, but passed for white in a kind of like, you know, side-eye sort of way. Um, And so Bridgerton has Queen Charlotte as a black woman with really awesome wigs that depict her natural hair. And actually this is a perfect time in history for black women because um, the sort of hairstyles they were using, our hair does naturally, which is kind of amazing. Um, so I could see how this could be like all the rage to have natural hair propped up in these high designs and with these curls because our hair was made for that. It's phenomenal. Um, but anyway, continued through the series, you have the Duke who is black, um, whose mother died in childbirth and is a light-skinned black woman whose father is a demon and is like a dark-skinned man. And this is important. You have Lady Danbury, which is like the Duke's almost godmother, the best friend of his of his deceased mother, who is single and a black woman. And we know nothing really about her backstory. We have the cousin of a family that I'm blanking on right now. I'm sorry, I just am. This is the family with the three sisters looking for, for husbands. She's a cousin from the country who has been quote unquote ruined. Um, they don't find this out until later that she's with child and she's biracial. And I just recoiled at some of these things. So the main character, love interest to the Duke of Hastings is the oldest Bridgerton daughter. She's white. That family's white. The Duke of Hastings, very attractive man of a multi-ethnic background. He is um, Zimbabwean and British. For the record, Reggae Jaune, if you ever hear this podcast, Hello, please find me. That's an aside. Then um, the Duke's best or close friend is a boxer named Will, married to a woman. He's a dark black man. His wife is is, is a lighter woman. There is always amongst black people this idea of, of colorism that is evident and has been a thing courtesy of, I would say, slavery and colonialism probably played a role in it too. Of white pro- of being white adjacent in proximity to whiteness, that the, you know, the looser the curl of your hair, the lighter your skin tone, the more narrow your nose, that these things are seen as beautiful in women in particular, and that's to be lauded as more beautiful than being um, more ethnically, you know, African, whether that's darker skin, wider nose, um, hair that is more tightly coiled. Um, or not. Um, And of course we know Africa is a diverse continent with people across the color spectrum and different, you know, bone structures and hair types, regardless of whether they intermarry with the European or not. But there we are. And so I I find it fascinating. And and Shonda Rhimes is interesting because I've watched almost every one of her shows and I can't help but see that she seems to have some issue with black women that I don't know she's actually ever stopped and thought about. 
So let's say we go back to Grey's Anatomy. Like the lead, you know, is Meredith Grey, white woman. There's, you know, we could go on about her shows and like the norm, the normalization of infidelity and just complete, utter romantic dysfunction and that people seem to be incapable, women, of having both. They can't seem to have a healthy love life and a healthy professional life. They either get one or the other. Usually white women get the healthy love life, even if at first they're a mess. Um, in Grey's Anatomy, you get, you know, Bailey, who has a husband and children, and she's black, normal black lady. That's like the only healthy person I've ever seen in her show as a black woman, married to a black man with, with, with a child, and seems fine. And how to get away with murder, you have Kelly, Carrie Washington's character, who is a dumpster fire in every way. You know, being the kept woman of, of the president who's married. And then just like going back and forth between, between men, you know, drinking a bottle of wine every night. And then you have, um, oh, that was Scandal. I digress, or I apologize. How to, go, how to get away with murder is Viola Davis who is um, married to a white man, having an affair with a black guy, who I don't know if he's married or not, potentially he is, also super dysfunctional in her family life and her, and her personal life. And like they can't ever seem to get out of these cycles of dysfunction. And she seems incapable of writing someone who looks like her who is happy. And I just find that interesting. I feel like Bridgerton would have been really fun if the Bridgerton family had been black. Or had they been Southeast Asian even? Because it wouldn't have been unreasonable. And that's a perfect segue into another point. People think this is a fantasy when actually they just don't know history. And my, my friend SJ and I were talking about this, that, you know, if you know the history of the British Empire, how expansive it was, um, the fact that they had colonies across the entire globe, you would have people coming to court who were of African descent or mixed ethnicities, of Southeast Asian descent, of East Asian descent, heck, probably some indigenous folk as well, because Britain, the sun didn't sit on the British Empire. And I thought, how much fun would it have been to have had like an heiress from a sugar plantation in the West Indies, you know, who was black, um, who came over and was looking for, you know, a, a title and looking to get married. Or some wealthy, you know, Maharaja, right? Some wealthy person from India um, of royal lineage who's coming to court. Like, there could have been just so many places they could have gone that would have been historically accurate because newsflash folks, the way this court looks is historically accurate. It is not a fantasy. It would have just been so much fun. And it would have been so nice to have seen such a handsome black man courting the, the, the you know, the... Um, Courting the women of, 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 of that time who didn't look like what we always get sold, which is, you know, a lovely white young woman, but like we've seen this before and we just keep seeing it and we keep seeing it. And it's like the only way that we can introduce ethnic diversity is by always pushing an interracial relationship when there is a really wonderful opportunity to showcase something holistically that I think was missed. And even if the main characters weren't going to be, you know, both people of color, we could have given Lady Danbury a better backstory. We could have given her a love that we could have seen. Um, and I was just disappointed. Also, of all the people you pick to have, like, you know, be with child, you pick, like, the trope of the tragic mulatto. Like, that's what you do. 
which is really offensive. Like you couldn't have had that girl be anyone else and and just let, you know, the the cousin from the countryside not be a person of color because that's a trope that's also you're falling into. I, I just thought that was too easy. Um, so those were my thoughts, but I do think that it pushes the envelope a little more and, you know, I, I wish that we would just get, we would push it even further. And I think that, um, my brother and I talked about how even with the new bachelor, um, that guy's not going to pick a black woman. I can, I'm confident that he will not. He said it in so many, in so many ways. Um, and I have no issue with, with interracial relationships by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I do think that we need to be very mindful about interrogating what things get pushed and what things are held up and esteemed and what is not. I think we could all agree that healthy black relationships um, are not something that's pushed to the forefront of our cultural, you know, um, phenomena. And why is that? Um, because those unions, those families are really beautiful and they have been actively like destroyed by people in the past. And so I think there's something to interrogate in that regard. Um, but I think that if you need a little break from all that's happening in 2021 now, that Bridgerton might, might serve you. And I'll tell you, Reggae Jean and the Bridgerton brothers and Will the boxer, very lovely men. Uh, so take a gander and enjoy. I hope you all enjoyed my musings. Um, I hope you have a great start to the year and we'll see what I happen to read. I'm, I'm reading a couple of books right now, so we'll see if something stands out to talk about in the not so distant future. Bye, y'all.